Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. You can please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting hosting sites. Leave a five-star review if you can, and let us know how we can do better for you as well. But this week, I have Martha with me, and she is quite an interesting person to talk to as well. She's been named Power Woman of 2021, so we got some power in this podcast with Martha as well. She's helped with various different types of Brands, including help create creative storytelling and human-centered brand partnerships and result-driven marketing. She's helped lead successful marketing communications with various different types of companies, including like Chinese Laundry. And she's just a really great person to have on the show. So welcome to the show, Martha. Thank you for having me. And the first question I ask all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? I'm a coffee drinker in my Kobe Bryant mug. It's my favorite mug, and I love coffee. <laughs> you have any favorite brands that you include with your favorite mug? Um, coffee brands, like uh, roast companies. I like a, trying a lot of the local um, roasters. I'm in the San Gabriel Valley in Los Angeles, so there's a lot of really great local roasters that I like to buy beans from. Nice. And I gave a brief introduction to your expertise and everything, but can you summarize your expertise to our listeners? Yeah, I'd love to. So I've worked across global brand marketing for the last 15 years in various roles. Um, I have helped brands live their values. I've helped to position the brands for growth, and I've helped to develop global and local campaigns that position brands as cultural leaders. I've spent a majority of my career in the footwear industry. So as you mentioned, Chinese Laundry was um, was there for eight and a half years. I was the intern that never left. And then I moved over to Decker's Brands, where I worked on Teva, Sanuk, Hoka. Um, and now I'm doing consulting work. So I work with a number of different brands in tech, uh, DTC, e-commerce space. Gotcha. And... To you, what makes a good story for the for PR and marketing? What what helps with that? What what makes a great story for them? That's a great question. Um, I I'm going to answer this by diving into narrative storytelling, so human storytelling. And I think what makes a great story is being able to authentically center the individual whose experience you're amplifying. So I think that's what makes a really great story. I also believe that. Uh, PR is such a valuable tool within the marketing ecosystem. So if there are opportunities where you want to get press or buzz, making sure that the PR team who's involved with securing that press is also involved with some aspects of being in, of knowing what is the story that you're telling, because I think it goes hand in hand. Gotcha. And what are some ways for PR pros to get creative with their creative storytelling? Because it's one thing to talk about creative storytelling, but how can you dive into that and make sure it's the most creative you can make it? 
Yeah. Um, so when I think about storytelling, I think about having really honest conversations. Um, so when you're doing narrative storytelling or story about an individual or amplifying like a human story, I think it's really important to have an honest conversation with the subject, with the individual whose story you're telling. I also believe in the power of decentering yourself. So not sort of projecting your own personal opinions onto how that story can be shaped. Um, and I think a really valuable way to get creative is to ask questions. Some of my favorite questions that I ask start with how, because that really allows you to open up and it allows the person who you're asking to open up so that they can take that answer in any direction. And that's all just really valuable information for PR professionals or creatives and marketers. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is take, more you out of more of it and put the person more into it is that what i'm hearing yeah exactly and i think you can take this this um this thought process with you know product or a service that you might be doing pr like take yourself out of it and think through what is the value that we're providing? How am I going to help people understand this value? How can we communicate it in a way that will resonate? And I mean, we're talking about storytelling being an essential part of PR. So what is some advice for creating that compelling story besides making sure that you take yourself out of it? Is there any other type of advice you have for people? Because maybe people have writer's block and they're like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. And if you have writer block and you don't know where to start, I think it's okay to take a break. Like, I think it's real. Sometimes when you're forcing it, that's when you'll find that you're getting, um, you're having to jump through more hurdles. I, I think another piece of advice I would give is to be really honest. Like, don't think about manipulating the story. Think about like, what is uh, this individual's telling me? Like, what does the story need? Uh, how can I amplify that? Um, I think those are really valuable ways. And I think if you're looking at the end goal, so how I mentioned earlier, some, you know, oftentimes PR professionals are tasked by the brand marketing team to secure a placement on ad age, right? Like everyone wants, or a big feature or on CNN or whatever media outlet it may be. I think it's important to include the PR professional in the creative process as well so that they can help to guide you and tell you, hey, this might not work for ad age. Like, I don't think the editor is looking for these types of stories. So it helps to just manage everyone's expectations. But as a creative or a marketer, I think it's okay to take a break if you are going through a creative slump. Gotcha. And should PR pros learn how to tell stories into different mediums? Because we've talked about storytelling and traditionally PR has always been about writing, which is still important, but should they figure out how to do it for, let's say, podcasting, let's say video or any other type of other medium? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like that is, uh, I think it's, an, it's a no brainer. It's something that you need to stretch and to build how to communicate on different mediums. I also, I mean, if I go back and reflect on my career, I started in PR, but I really believe that one of the ways I was able to grow outside of PR and more into brand marketing is because I was able to connect the dots for people and show them how PR can be a resource to the social media team, how PR can work with the DTC or the e-com team, how it can work with, you know, developing influencer campaigns. So I think being able to under, like, as PR professionals, we are driving narrative, right? Like we are driving how a brand or a product is going to be perceived. So that's such a strong skill set to, to have that 
can be translated to other mediums. And I think it's important to know how to communicate, how to write for, you know, social or for an email or for SEO, understanding all of the nuances, I think is really important. And I mean, is that all part of networking within your own company to kind of like try to do the different types of medium? Is that the, the better way of doing it? Because we could all say PR is important, but if you can't persuade people to be like, oh yeah, it is important. Then it's kind of just this whole, like, you can't stretch yourself almost. Yeah. I'm a big believer in earned media, like absolutely huge believer in earned media because I've been able to help build brands as cultural leaders. And it started with PR. Like if I go back and I look at Teva or if I look at Hoka, like those brands, not a lot of people knew about them, but it was the PR team uh, who was able to help to build that momentum, build that trust in collaboration with the social media team, with the email team, with the rest of the marketing team, with the teams that were doing events for, you know, in-person activation. So I think it's really important for PR professionals to be able to translate how they are building the brand's advocacy to other mediums. Gotcha. And then how should PR pros go about like attaching maybe the analytics to their storytelling? Because every business is like, okay, guys, show me something here. I know. I, I, I have this look on my face because it's like always the tough question in PR because media impressions can only take you so far. Um, and there's always so much bias tied to it, but I think it's important to understand analytics and how to read them and how to use them. But I view analytics as the compass. It's not the map. Like that's how I view it. It can help to guide you to show that you are making traction, that you are providing value. But there's also this like return on magic, which I think is the secret sauce to really building advocacy. And it's hard to find metrics for that because it's more emotive. It's more of a customer being able to see themselves represented in your brand, like there is no data that shows that like, yeah, I will ultimately translate to sales and other ways, but that takes time to build. So I view analytics and data as a compass. It's not the map. It's might guide me, but I'm also comfortable knowing like if I know my customer really well and they're telling me this, I'm going to listen to them. Gotcha. And so we're talking about the compass. Like, is the map more about your strategy and overall campaign? Is the vision that you get like, what is that map? Yeah, the map is the vision. Having a really strong brand vision that everyone is like creating their strategy towards to help, I think is where it where it starts. And then it just starts to trickle down from there to what's your strategy? What are the tactics that are going to help to support that strategy? I have always envisioned um, that as like a ladder, you know, like you have the vision on the top and everyone's sort of trying to climb the ladder at different moments in, um, in the day to help build that advocacy. So I think there's a place in time for data, but I don't think it's the end all be all because at the same time, like it takes time to gather data. And by that point, like it might be old, you know, like consumers, things change really fast. What our attention span is like eight seconds now. So a report from last week, like it, it might help to guide me, but it's going, it might change completely this week. So it's almost like we need a new, almost real time analytics that doesn't really actually is it hasn't happened yet i mean we could eventually get it eventually but yeah 
uh, maybe I, don't, I hope someone's thinking about this. <laughs> I hope so too. But as we're talking about consumers and your customers in general, how do you do turn them from fans to advocate? Because I mean, some people are just like, I just want to buy your product, whatever. And some actually might really want to be like, love your brand and want to be almost like you're almost outreach person. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's okay to have both of those, right? And understanding that one consumer wants to be spoken to in a very direct way. They want to gather all of the information. They want it to be simple. They don't really care about the emotive. They don't want their heartstrings to be tugged at. So I think that like accepting and knowing like that's one completely different strategy and way that we're going to communicate to them. And then on the other hand, I think this idea of turning a fan into an advocate, it is an emotional connection because you you see yourself in the brand, you feel represented, you feel like they're building something that's providing a value to you. So I think a, a way that you start to change that is really giving yourself the time to do it. Um, if you work for a brand who has a really strong vision like that, I say, is always the leading factor in what strategy you're going to take, because if it's a vision that scares you, that's always my favorite. Like it needs to feel unachievable and scary so that you can really start digging and creating like niche strategies to help support that. I think it starts with the vision and then it takes time with building. And it also is important to uh, listen to the consumer to hear them, not listen to respond. I think that's really important because you are marketing to a human, right? To like you and I. So it's really breaking it down on like, what makes this person, what's their day like? What do they love to do? Um, and another piece of advice I would give that it's, a, it's something that I love to do is humanizing a brand. So I like to envision and sort of play uh, this game of if the brand that I'm working for, if they were my friend, what kind of friend would they be? Like, would they drink coffee or tea in the morning? Would they like to write in a notebook? Do they prefer to work out in the afternoon or in the morning? Um, how are they going, like, what words are they going to use? How are they going to structure their sentences? Or, you know, what are their favorite emojis? Like, really humanizing a brand that way, I think it allows you to be able to communicate in a really strong way that will ultimately turn a fan into an advocate. So it's almost like creating a character hmm. of your brand or creating a person of your brand. Yeah, humanizing it. I think it's so powerful. That's a really powerful way to help people feel like they have a connection to a product or a service. And is this making customers, fans to advocate, is this more generational or is it just seem to be the same, uh, every generation does this across the board? Are we seeing more younger people do that, more less older people, or what are we seeing from that? Yeah, I think um, I I value demographics and I value knowing like that there are different generations that experience different things in their life that will impact in the way that they, you know, purchase product, consume product, things like that. But I think it's really important to dive into the psychographics of consumers. Um, I think that there still will be this a psychographic of consumer who wants to see the emotional storytelling that wants to see and feel represented by a brand in that way where like, oh, product might not be the first thing that they want to gravitate to. Um, and then there'll be another consumer who's like, I don't really care for that. Like, that's not something that I want to hear from brands. I want the brand to tell me why their service or value or product is going to bring value to my life. So I think we're going to always see that. But 
I do think we're getting to this point where consumers are demanding more of brands in a very unapologetic way. Like they have expectations of brands that maybe past generations have not. Gotcha. And then for a fun question for you, what's your favorite breed of dog? I know you're a dog lover. (laughs) I am a dog lover. Um, I have to, if you know me, you know that I love my Benny boy. He's an Australian Labradoodle. He is perfect. Uh, so I love Australian Labradoodles. He also like has this human, he has human eyes. I swear he was a human in his past life. Uh, and then I also love Pomeranians. They, that was my first dog that I had um, in my twenties that I brought home without asking for permission. And they just have such a special place in my heart. I also grew up with Pomeranians. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, final thoughts for PR professionals. You know, I had a a friend who I was working with a long time ago that always would say it's PR, not ER. And that would always just help me to to chill out in moments of urgency, because I think we all know, like with PR, everything is urgent. Everything is due yesterday. So I would always go back and just remind myself it's PR. It's not ER, like not saving anyone's life right now. I'm doing something fun. So I would just share that with people because I think this being being in PR is a really fun job. So just don't let the stress of it get to you. Relax a little bit every once in a while. Chill out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Martha, for joining PR 360 and sharing your knowledge on PR. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on your favorite podcasting hosting sites and Leave a five-star review if you like this. Also, subscribe to the YouTube page as well. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Chill. Remember, it's PR, not ER. And see you next week. Later.